My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to save you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach you about what the heck is going on. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. What do we need to see before this market can put in a legitimate bottom? Here's what we need to see. More fear. We need people to be so worried that they're scared out of their wits, which is how you get a day like today, where the Dow plunged 327 points. S&P plummeted 1.44%, and the Nasdaq nosedive 2.06%. I think we might have more downside. Not much. I don't believe we're going to unravel this year's entire run, but certainly enough to make it so the fear and worry all surface at once. That's how you get what we call a crescendo bottom, where you lose all the weak hands at once, and you get a whoosh. That hasn't happened yet. What's happening with Daily today? This is one of those moments where it's dawning on people that maybe all the assurances that we don't need to be afraid of the Fed are being proven to be totally bogus. All week, I've heard two themes over and over and over again, but so many guests. It's either we need the rate hikes because we're at full employment, or the rate hikes can't hurt us because they're already baked into the stock market. i got to tell you, those are lousy arguments. Full employment is a great thing as long as inflation is not out of control. And right now, the statistics indicate it's not. So what's the big deal? Sure, employers may need to pay people more, but they just got a huge corporate tax cut, for heaven's sake. They can handle giving some of that to the employees. Let me make this very clear. There's nothing in the Fed's mandate about stopping the perils of full employment. They're supposed to stop inflation. If hourly wages were actually going up huge, I could understand the point of raising interest rates four more times without thinking about it. But we have millions of marginalized workers in this country who could be fired at the drop of a hat. Either because of bankruptcies like Sears or some new app that makes their jobs redundant or, hey, you know what, just because the boss doesn't like them. In fact, the only brand new industry that needs workers pronto is the cannabis industry. And the irony here is that most of the people who work for a living still can be fired if a drug test catches them smoking marijuana. Nevertheless, ganja is going to be a huge growth industry, and that's why that's there. There you go. That's by Rhapsody and G for green, like in money. My point, though, is that there's no cause for the Fed to tighten four more times. None. This is what all this turmoil is about in the market. They're taking preemptive action because they're afraid of potential inflation. I think that's a mistake. The labor market's taken a decade to recover from the financial crisis. Why not give it some more time? I am pleading here. But honestly, it's the second theory that's the real bane of this market. It's the one that's really causing the unraveling. It's the theory that we don't need to worry about these rate hikes. Or even the trade war. Why? Because apparently these negatives are already baked into the stock market. Yeah, it looked real baked in today, didn't it? When I hear this stuff, I cringe. Most people don't even realize how punitive the Fed's proposed course of action will be. Right now, you can judge the pain by looking at the stocks of the regional banks. These being, they're being pummeled. Pummeled because they don't have any way to offset what will happen when they need to pay you more on your deposits than they can make on their loans, which can absolutely happen if the Fed keeps up the fiction 
that we need those additional rate hikes to slow the economy. When you listen to the regional bank conference calls, it's pretty obvious that the slowdown in loans has arrived. And a slowdown in loans is exactly what Fed Chief Jay Powell seems to want. He's already won, frankly. This guy doesn't know how to take yes for an answer. What's the point of cratering loan growth even further? Does he want to cause an actual recession? Maybe it turns out that, that with the December hike, he'll have already overshot. Now, again, I totally understand that in the pockets around the country, uh, there are legitimate and somewhat deep real labor shortages. My wife wouldn't be struggling to hire people for a new restaurant, the Longshoreman, that's supposed to open soon if there was a surfeit of inexpensive talent around. What a difference five years makes. In 2013, when we were starting Bar San Miguel, our small plate tavern in Brooklyn, people would come up to me when I was at the bar begging me for shifts. They just wanted to work a few hours here, a few hours there, an evening maybe, so they could pay the rent and, of course, retire their student loans. Boy, no one does that now. Between the Trump administration's crackdown on immigration and a much stronger job market, many small businesses are now paying a fortune for labor. If you run a restaurant in a place like New York, it's crushing your margins. We planned this place for about a year, and we never thought we'd have to pay such high wages or have such a hard time finding people to work at our joint. But we'll do it, of course. But can many others? I don't know. Come on. Is that a real reason to cause a slowdown, though? Does the Fed exist to protect the bourgeoisie from the scourge of paying people decent living? I mean, sorry, uh, something about Jerome Powell wakes up my long dormant inner Marxist. I bring all this up because I want to give you a real-life example of how we haven't baked in these higher rates. When you begin to think that you can't afford workers, you stop borrowing, which is a very good explanation of what might be happening at the regional banks. When you stop borrowing, you cut back on the demand for goods and services. You mess with demand, then earnings per share go lower, which is what's happening right now. Right now, we're seeing hideous price action in the regional banks because of the downward spiral I just outlined to you. Can housing be that far behind? Obviously not. We know the home building stocks have been crushed and obliterated. Hey, by the way, consider this. Home Depot. One of the absolute best retailers. Its stock was at 215 one month ago. Now it's at 180. I challenge anyone who feels really sanguine about the baked-in rate hikes to go buy some of that stock right here, right now, tomorrow morning. Come on, the rate hikes baked in? I mean, please. I think that most of these guys would be too scared to even nibble at Home Depot, a great American company, and I don't blame them. But I wish they'd stop pretending that there's no reason to be afraid that the water's fine. Yeah, sure. Here's something you ought to mull over. When everyone was rapturous on Tuesday during the epic rebound, I featured the work of our resident fear expert, Mark Sebastian, who said that as much as it might feel that the danger of a big decline might be over, the truth is there could be more pain. Sure enough, here we are. So what does the man of the hour say? Sebastian says we're close to a bottom, but that the VIX, the fear index, simply hasn't had enough fear. That's right. It hasn't risen enough to cause a legitimate bottom yet. Yet, there's still too much greed and complacency and not enough fear or panic. It's too organized on the way down. Mark tells me when the VIX hits around 25, we're currently at 20, then we could be at the bottom and ready for a bounce. He doesn't think it'll take out 29, which was the high from last week. Maybe that's when people will finally stop kidding themselves about the gravity of the situation with the Fed, something that only President Trump actually seems to be articulating. I think he's right. Although, as usual, I, I wish he thought about this when he appointed Powell to run the darn Federal Reserve. He would have never canned Janet Yellen if he had. Instead of going with prudence, he went for dogma. Now, I don't think you can wait until we finally get the right amount of panic. You should be picking at stocks right now. That's what I told members of the ActionAlertsPlus.com club on today's conference call, fully knowing that it's October, historically a tough month for the stock market, at least in, for big down days. And we've been down for eight of the past 11. 
Later on tonight, I'll give you some classic examples of what I regard as what's safe to buy into the teeth of the sell-off and how to identify them for yourself because I want to teach you to fish. Bottom line, stop kidding yourself if you think all the bad news is baked in. You don't get these kinds of declines if it is. And I'm not even including the Italian budget crisis, which I'm sure the bears will call out tomorrow. It's one in a million in a black swan or whatever they say. And you got to accept that we could be the, uh, buying a stock of the Fed's next victim if we're not careful. That's a frightening place to be. And until people accept that fear, the market will not find its long-term footing. Let's go to Frank in my old home state of Pennsylvania. Frank! Good afternoon, Jim. Hey, calling you from the home of the Springfield Spartans. And you used to look like Art Garfunkel in your younger days. The Spartans! Springfield to the championship! Wow! Love it! How can I help? Hey, quick question. Ex-Alexis, a biotech, got that carbo molecule. Is the molecule bad? The CEO bad? What's going on with that stock that it gets beaten up so bad? Um, you know, kind of uh, let's do more work on it before we charge that. And, um, man, I love your accent because it sounds like me. Except for, you know, when you hear it, you say, wow, that guy's got that accent. And then you realize, you know, like Curry's hon- uh, holding the signs up. That's Curry. And that's not an Indian food. It's actually the way I pronounce Curry, which is K-E-R-Y. That's Curry. But I don't sound like that gentleman, do I? Okay. Let's uh, stay from that. Stay away from Exolixis for a moment. Yeah, I know. I mean, can you believe how bad my accent is? I've been away for years. All right, let's go to Sharon in New York. Sharon. Jim, how are you? Well, I am good, Sharon. How about you? I'm great, Jim. It's nice talking to you. I absolutely love your show. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to ask you a question about Proxair. I own Proxair for many years. Just curious about your opinion about the upcoming merger between Oh, Proxair boy, if they get that men. deal, if they get that deal close, Sharon, you've got a Colossus, a great company. I love that business. Wow, is all I can say. Wow. Let's go to Paul in Washington. Paul. Hi, Jim. How you doing? Booyah. Booyah. How you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? Oh, man, I'm excited to be here with you today. Uh, Thank you. I got some questions about a stock uh, called Toronto Dominion Bank. I'm thinking about going long-term on this uh, for obvious reasons because of the marijuana craze. Uh, nah, what do you think about don't the do that. It's too small. It's too small a part of the economy. I really like your thinking, uh, but I'm going to tell you that you should buy Canopy now that it's coming down. I didn't like it at 58. At 48, I'm getting there. That would be my one. All right. As brutal as this is, it may not be the end. Fed fears are not baked in yet. Don't listen to anyone who says otherwise because you see what they are? They are wrong. And that's a frightening place to be. But we'll get through it together, as we always do. And look, my trust has some stocks that blew up here. You might have some stocks that blew up. We stay diversified. We're going to be fine. Mad Money tonight. Today's sell-off will be a terrible thing to waste. I'm pointing out stocks that could bounce back the fastest, despite the today's 327-point decline, because I've checked them out. I'm going to show you how I do it. Then, it's a fact that you need some tech exposure in your portfolio, or else you might underperform. I'm putting together a list of my favorite players, and tonight's power rankings No, they're not for tomorrow. They're for years. And with legalization in Canada finally here, I'll find out what the cannabis industry can learn from big retail brands. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com.
remember what did well. Remember the stocks that just reported terrific numbers. And the train seemingly had left the station. All aboard! But now, because of cell programs, they're all the way back to where they started. I often find that when your screen is all red, you become paralyzed. I don't blame you. It happens to the best of us. We know we're having a retest of the lows. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Mark Sebastian, our resident volatility expert, uh, who works with me at realmoney.com, said we could repeal Tuesday's gain. And now it does look like it's happening, doesn't it? That's going to freak people out. And when it occurs, you need to be ready to buy the best of the best, the companies that just literally told you things are terrific. So here's a shopping list of companies that have announced good earnings just now so that you can think about it, uh, because I think that we all should be thinking about putting some money to work when it's this, uh, this oversold. First is United Continental, and they just reported an amazing number. They raised their forecast third time this year. Remarkable feat. Yet its stock is coming down even as oil, its principal cost for the airlines, has sold off hard. And it seems to have difficulty stabilizing here. United Continental's cheap. It's doing amazingly well, unless something's changed since early in the week. Trust me, it didn't. Second is Citigroup. Citigroup's giving you what I regard as the best of the bank quarters that we've seen. And if you're worried about the Fed being too aggressive here, please recall that about half of Citi's book of business is from overseas. If you're selling the stock, the odds are you're selling some of your shares to the company itself, as Citi's got a colossal buyback. The company's trying to repurchase about 7% of its shares outstanding each year. I think it's a mistake to make it easy for them. Third is maybe one of the best of the best, the United Health gave you classic beat and raise, one of the most amazing ones I've seen. It's medical loss ratio. The key metric for the health insurance group was just extraordinary. I'm not used to being able to pick up the stock of a company that gave you a blockbuster set of numbers at such a discount. But UNH is part of the stock market, so yes, it's coming down too. Finally, people are starting to buy the defensives again. And at the beginning of this earnings season, it seems so long ago, we got stellar numbers from PepsiCo. As usual, there were the, uh, the, uh, the, you know, the problems with the fleas, with the transportation, with the raw cost. Yeah, I mean, kind of boilerplate now. Just really boilerplate. Uh, but they weren't nearly as boilerplate bad as other companies that we've heard from since then. If you circle back, it looks pretty good by choice. The buyback is real. The dividend at 3.4% is strong. And the management change with Andrew Newey passing the baton to Ramon LaGuardia has been smooth. Remember, in a sell-off during earnings season, you can't have a lot of guesswork. You want to be sure you're buying companies that you absolutely know are doing well. That's what's so great about sell-offs in the reporting period. you got the perfect shopping list because the companies have just told you exactly how they're doing. We don't know when the sell-off will end, but I think these are levels, if you have a lot of cash, where you can pick up a stock and start nibbling. You want a high-quality situation at a discount where you know the merchandise isn't damaged. Just the stock. Stick with companies that just reported monster good numbers, and you rarely go wrong, even in this kind of incredibly negative pin action. Much more man money yet. It's the largest single sector in the S&P, and it could make or break your portfolio. I'm putting together my power rankings for the information technology space. Then a man who spent time in the C-suite at Victoria's Secret and DSW, turning his attention now to the cannabis industry. I'll find out what retailers can bring to the table. And after a tough day for the averages, no kidding. Does your portfolio have what it takes to survive in this market? I'll be the judge as we play MI Versified. So stay with Kramer. Guess where we are? The House of Pain. Yep, we're back in House of Pain mode. And right now, few groups are as agonizing as tech, with the Nasdaq tumbling more than 2% today. 
So tonight, let's talk the Kramer Power rankings for the information technology stocks because they are a point of pain. Remember, for the past couple of weeks, we've been going through the entire S&P 500 sectors by sectors, identifying the strongest looking stocks in each group, the ones that I think have the most potential going into the end of the year. And you remember, this may be the shakeout until the end of the year. This may be the chance. So how do we rank the information technology cohort, the single largest sector in the S&P 500, counting for more than 20% of the index? On the one hand, tech's still the second best performing sector in the market right now, right behind healthcare. On the other hand, it's been annihilated over the past few weeks, including another 1.9% decline today in the S&P 500 technology ETF. It was bad out there, people. But this is exactly why we have the power rankings, rather than just looking at past performance. Right now, the best performer in the information technology core is a good one. You know, I like it. It's AMD. But AMD stock has been acting punk of late. Why? It's a victim of excessive investor enthusiasm. Not anything AMD did for all the market share the company's been taking, particularly from Intel because of problems they have had with manufacturing. But it's market share in an industry, an industry where demand has become choppy. With that in mind, which tech stocks do I like the most going forward? What is good in our power index, which we, again, will repeatedly update between here and your end? First, at the very top of my list, well, there's just a second. Picture's worth a thousand words. Yep, Apple, the world's only trillion-dollar company now that Amazon's fallen back below the uh, threshold. As I've argued over and over again, Apple should be valued like a consumer products company, not a tech company. They make the most popular consumer product on Earth. And I think we'll hear more about that when the cheaper iPhone XR releases for pre-order tomorrow. Oh, but here's the thing. Apple trades at less than 16 times next year's earnings estimates. It's cheaper than the average stock in the S&P 500. More important, it's cheaper than the consumer product stocks. Cheaper than Procter, cheaper than Clorox, cheaper than Kimberly Clark. They're all more expensive, even though they have much slower growth. If you gave Apple the same price to earnings multiple, say, as Clorox, which is, you know, a company I like, you know where the stock would be? It'd be at 300 up nearly 40%. Anytime the stock is down like it was today, it's safe to assume that Apple's buying back shares hand over fist thanks to its massive $100 billion buyback, bigger than most companies on Earth. It's the largest repurchase program in history. Oh, and remember, Apple's still sitting on a massive cash hoard. More than 12% of the market capitalization is actually in cash. When you back that out, the darn thing's selling for just 14 times earnings. Most importantly, Apple's become a play on the subscription economy. Their hardware is not the point. Uh, the devices are just the razor. It's the services like Apple Music, cloud storage. You know, I backed up my uh, pictures. I was able to send a picture that was, uh, well, uh, thank you, Heather Gaines, who showed me how to use my phone today. Anyway, I've got, I use the cloud like you do. I get, I get charged $10 every uh, month or something. I don't even look at it. Who cares? How can you not have your pictures backed up? I mean, you'd be a moron. I mean, the, the, this is a massive service revenue stream. And I think expansion here will only continue to accelerate because the value proposition on this stuff is impossible to deny. My mantra in Apple remains what it's always been. You own the stock, don't trade it. But, okay, here's a caveat for those of you who are thinking, wow, Kramer's saying bye, bye, bye. I will say this, that today, this very morning, Morgan Stanley, perhaps the biggest bull in the stock and the uh, firm I most trust, did say that there could be an app buying slowdown in China because of restrictive video game rules introduced by the PRC. Now, I want to hear a bear articulate this view and knock the stock down further before I tell you to buy more, because the stock could be bruised if the negative call resonates. 
hey, listen, it's a warts and all show. Next up is Salesforce.com. This cloud-based enterprise software leader remains the third best performing tech stock in the S&P 500, even as it's been crushed like a bug on a windshield over the past few weeks, including another brutal 2.8% shellacking just today. And you know what? Near term, I think it could keep going to hit, get hit until we finally get that big shakeout that causes a genuine fear v whoosh bottom. We've had no crescendo sell yet. But once this meltdown comes to an end, Salesforce will still be a terrific company with incredibly strong numbers. Look, the cloud remains one of the most exciting software stories around. Salesforce practically invented it. Worried about wage inflation? It gets, let's think about this for a second. Their labor-saving software is the solution. Sure, the stock's being beaten down like a redheaded stepchild today. But you know what? Every single time Salesforce has pulled back, it's been a buying opportunity. During the depth of the Great Recession, CEO Mark Benioff came on this show and told us it was a buy. The current sell-off is bad, but it's not November of 2008 bad. I think you'd be rewarded if you stick with this one. Although if you buy it patiently on the way down, you may get a better cost basis. Those of you who hire people or those of you who have young, uh, let's say, young adults in your family, take a look and see if it doesn't say fluent in Salesforce at the bottom of their resume. Yeah, it's a language. Third, Adobe, another cloud king. Adobe's turned itself into a digital media and marketing kingpin. A couple good acquisitions lately. There's increasingly cloud-based software helps other companies harness the power of the web to bring in new business. In recent years, the stock has surged higher. Management embraced, yes, a subscription-based business model. But how long can that kind of strength last? Well, just a second. After all, Adobe's also getting slammed today down 3.3%. So you could say it's over. Wait a second. I'd say, listen. I'd be more worried about the market-wide sell-off, if not for one thing. We already know that Adobe's business is on fire. We know that because the company held its annual conference two days ago, uh, where the, uh, it, it was an analyst meeting. They provided some key updates. You want to know what, uh, why the whole market rebounded so hard on Tuesday? Well, Adobe was a big part of the reason. And management talked about a $108 billion total addressable market by 2021, and they predicted 20% revenue growth. There was a lot to like 20%. I was hoping for 19. I'd throw it with 20, which is why the stock spiked 10% on the news. But, of course, this market has the memory of a gnat. So Adobe stock got slammed along with everything else today. And I think you need to view that, that weakness as an opportunity because we know how well they're doing. Fourth, Mr. Softy, Microsoft. We sometimes forget that under the brilliant leadership of CEO Satya Nadella, Microsoft has finally gotten with the times, elbowing its way into formerly neglected growth markets like cloud infrastructure with Azure, the wildly successful cloud business, where they compete with Amazon Web Services and even social networking. They, got, they bought LinkedIn. That's been a very good acquisition, by the way. Of course, there's the core Windows business, which is just this huge cash generator. Uh, and then you got Xbox. Two years ago, Microsoft's business was shrinking. They looked like they'd been left by the wayside. But Nadella turned things around. And now their sales are growing at an incredible 17% clip. Double-digit growth across all segments. Commercial cloud revenue up 53%. This is not your father's. Microsoft, man, that just, just saying that makes me feel old. Hey, Steve Ballmer's class, man, mind for what it's worth. Nothing. And look, Microsoft also had fabulous earnings that make it easier to buy into weakness because it's undeniable that this stock gets cheaper as it goes lower. It's now selling for just 22 times six years earnings. I like it here, but I'd like to buy it even more lower. Finally, number five in the tech power rankings. Let's throw a little curveball here. Let's throw in MasterCard with my favorite symbol, Ma. If you're confused that MasterCard's even considered a tech stock, shame on you. This is the S&P's classification, not mine. I understand where they're coming from, though, as these payment plays are financial technology companies. And within all of tech, MasterCard is one of the best names around. They've been steadily growing their payment network all over the world. And at the end of the day, that's why I prefer MasterCard over Visa for this fifth slot. 
because it's got higher organic growth more runway. Plus, at times when people are worried about the banks because the Fed may make it difficult for them to grow their net interest margins, these financial tech stocks tend to become go-to stocks for the hedge fund managers who want financial exposure without any credit or interest rate risk, and they know that it's part of the of the cohort so they can pick it. But we'll know more when Visa reports next week. MasterCard comes the week after. Hey, if it helps, American Express reported what looks to be a very good number tonight. That could work well for MasterCard. Bottom line, even in this brutal market, it pays to stay diversified which is why you should own some tech here, despite the fact that the group feels like a punching bag. My favorites, they are Apple, Salesforce, Adobe, Microsoft, and MasterCard. Be my guest, Joe in Texas. Joe! Hey, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. Hey, the skies are pretty dark over China right now, but are you ready to call the Chinese bottom and issue an all-clear on Baba and Baidu? You know, they're down so much. I was talking with David Faber, and I did say, you know what, maybe the great contrary call of all time. We'd be to come out and say, listen, it's time to buy them. But you know what, Joe? I still think that the uh, we're, in, uh, we're in a real trade war with China. And that is going to chill things and chill things. And I think they're going to keep dumping them, even though the stocks have gotten actually, I will say, cheap. All right, let's go to Jason in California, please. Jason. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Jason. Thanks for taking my call, and thanks for all the advice over the years. I've oh, got you're welcome. I- you're welcome. Thank you. I've got a comment and a question. Uh, my comment is that I think you are 100% right about the Fed moving too fast, and I wish you were the Fed chairman. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I've been getting some heat for that, but I, I do think that people are whistling past the Fed graveyard. But go ahead. Yeah, no, I think uh, you know your advice about them being cautious and taking one quarter at a time is uh, pretty sage. How can but being prudent? How can being prudent ever be a bad strategy? Honestly, I mean, really, all my life I've heard, "Don't be judgmental, be prudent." How could prudent be a bad strategy? Shameful. Go ahead, let me help you. So true. And my question's on Roku. Uh, given that Netflix just reported earnings, do you think that Roku's positioned well, and is it a buy in the 50s? I think Roku is positioned well. I do think Roku, the stock, has run up so much that I think that there's probably some people who still want to sell it. But uh, I have to tell you, I when I sometimes look, I always like to admit when I have not gotten something right. Remember, I thought Roku was overvalued about 20 points ago. So I really genuinely think, as much as I would love to help you, and I love what you had to say, I may not be the best judge. I do think the stock's expensive. All right, it is a tough market, but it pays to be diversified. In fact, that's the only free lunch. Own some tech. These are my favorites. Much more mad money ahead. It's cannabis company backed by a retail fortune, and it doesn't make you feel like you're about to go into a vault of, the, of darkness when you go to a store. I'll reveal the private player just then. Then stock market volatility is back on the street, but does your portfolio have what it takes to survive the unknowns? Well, let me be the judge when we play MI Diversified and oil calls rapid fire. Nice lightning round. Steel Kramer. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. The last yes, book I did. read was called To Serve Man. You know what it was? A cookbook. Like yes! A cookbook. It's, it's a cookbook. Yeah. It's a cookbook. <laughs> it all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. Hey, 
after your day like today, you may need a little something to mellow yourself out. So let's talk about a happier subject. Yesterday, Canada made history by legalizing cannabis for recreational use. Now, as I told you repeatedly, most of these pot stocks are probably way too speculative to own here. But nevertheless, we're witnessing the birth of what could be an incredibly disruptive growth industry. So I've made it my mission to do everything I can to teach you about it, which brings me to a new one. Green Growth Brands. This is a privately held, I mean it isn't trading yet, privately held American company that bills itself as a lifestyle-oriented consumer products company, one that just happens to sell cannabis-related products. That includes an assortment of cannabidiol-infused personal care products. This is the CBD oil stuff that keeps pe- uh, being legalized in state after state. Now, Green Growth Brands is going public in Canada via reverse takeover later this year. And the company's got the backing of the family that built DSW, an American Eagle, meaning this is not some fly-by-night operation. So let's take a closer look with Peter Horvath, the CEO of Green Growth Brands, a guy who spent years as a senior executive at Victoria's Secret and American Eagle to learn more about this business before it comes public. Mr. Horvath, welcome to Mad Money. Hi, Jim. All right, Peter. If you can, explain to people your model and why uh, there really isn't a good retail entry and that that's your stock and trade. Well, thank you, Jim. Our model, uh, well, look, we've got uh, decades of uh, experience uh, competing for customers in saturated and mature markets. And uh, we've been fortunate enough to be part of the teams and leading the strategies that yielded the number one lingerie business in the world the number one personal care products business in the world in Bath & Body Works, the number one denim business in North America in American Eagle, and the number one uh, shoe specialty business in North America, DSW. So we think not only are we maybe the first guys you've met in this industry who've operated multi-billion dollar businesses, have taken them public in the New York, in the the U.S. markets, and done all those earnings conference calls, uh, but also we've built brands from scratch and brought them to consumers, com- uh, competed for consumers with everyone else. And uh, the result is we came out on top. So I'd say uh, the team we've put together is arguably one of the strongest retail teams in any market, let alone cannabis. Well, I, I, when I heard about you, I said to myself, this is the first CEO who's going into retail who's actually been in retail. So can you describe for those people who have not been to a typical dispensary pot store what yeah. they look like, which is pretty antediluvian, versus what you've got in mind? Yeah, so, so look, part of getting into a new industry is you have to study it. So we uh, went to the 100 best cannabis stores in the United States, which is quite a trip. And the idea is you do that very quickly and you see them fast shot at, uh, so that eventually you, you can see what the patterns are. So here's what we saw. Everybody's doing the best they can, first of all. So congratulations for starting an industry. The, the reality is there's points of dissonance every step of the way. And I will tell you that I've seen the best possible stores. There are things to admire, but generally every single store is underperforming its true market potential. So, so basically, what you, the experience, you walk up to the door in a typical store, there's a guy with a flak vest and a gun, very inviting. Uh, <laughs> if, if you're lucky, he smiles, okay? He checks your ID to make sure you can go inside. You go inside, and uh, I'll, I'll imagine one store in particular. There are iPads on the tables. We go in, and uh, it was well-staffed. You got in line. You, tr- you, you might have looked around while you're waiting in line. Uh, you get, to the, you get to the back, you're trying to figure out what to buy, you're kind of overwhelmed by the assortment. It's not organized in a way that's intuitive. Uh, you're, one, you're worried, am I in line? Are they going to make me buy something if I just want to ask a question? 
in this case, I got to the got to the desk ready to buy something, and they said, "Did you register?" Uh, no. Oh, you have to register at the desk in the front. So I think you get the point. It, there's so many in most retail experiences. There's too many points of dissonance. In in cannabis, it's the same, except they're even more extreme. Uh, out of stock is common, and and look. What pisses off people more than going to the grocery store to buy milk and they don't have any? Uh, what are the chances you're going to go back to that store again? So we're seeing massive out-of-stocks in these stores, and I think it's a matter of they, they need to develop stronger supply chain relationships. Totally. Um, the, the, the assortments, I've seen places that have 140 strains of weed. Do you really need 140 <laughs> strains of weed? 13 or 14 price points. 13 right. or 14 price points. Do you, you know, why is this 39 and that's 41? So, so I think you get it. Okay. Look, we're all experts at being consumers. Right, but let me ask you, just I only have about and, a minute and, left. You are doing THC and CBD. Uh, how will you describe yes. them when someone says, hey, man, I want to buzz, versus someone who says, I really want to get high? I mean, do you have people who know THC versus CBD? Well, here's the deal. We're going to use different channels for that. Uh, I think a cannabis store is going to be focused on THC. Uh, we'll probably sell some CBD beauty uh, care product in there because you can actually try it. Turns out, if you're using something that's topical, that's CBD, just like anything else you or your wife might use that, that's topical, you need to be able to smell it. You need to be able to feel it. And if it's THC, you're not going to be able to. What's more exciting, though, is we've got another channel that's going to be through grocery stores uh, and drug stores and retailers that we're developing right now. We're working uh, hard with four Three businesses represent 4,000 doors. We're going to announce them later after we go public. Um, and we're bringing CBD, uh, personal care, and beauty product to those stores. Uh, we'll also develop adjacent categories in vapor, vapor pens and uh, edibles and tinctures. Oh, so boy. CBD is a big market. I think CBD is going to be bigger than what people are forecasting. Oh, I, I agree with you, Peter. You've really got it down. I cannot wait till you come public. That is Peter Horvath, CEO of Green Growth Brands. Finally, someone who knows retail. Mad Money's back after the break. It is time. It's time for the night of pictures of Rebels. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skate. That is time for the lightning round. I'm sorry with Tracy in Louisiana. Tracy. Booyah, Jim, from the south side of our great nation. My stock is ARWR, Arrowhead Pharmaceutical. You know, I like to have a tie-in with uh, one of my favorite stocks, J&J, which holds up very well. It's, it's a great spec. Let's leave it that way. It's a great spec. I need to go to Phil in New York. Phil! Kramer! Yo, yo! Getting sick on this roller coaster ride we're on. I know. Doesn't it revolting? It feels like uh, one of those. It feels like a real bad coaster. What's happening? Uh, we got AT&T at multi-year lows with a nice dividend. I am willing to endorse AT&T, but I have to tell you, if you want a little more safety, you really do have to go to Verizon, which is up a lot more, but I know it's got a less stretched balance sheet. Let's go to John in Virginia. John. Hey, Jim. A big booyah from Arlington, Virginia. Nice. What's going on? I uh, wanted to see what your thoughts were on Maxar Technologies. Yeah, Maxar, they've got revenues. Uh, I mean, the revenues are growing. I, I don't really understand the valuation, frankly. Unless you go work with that. I don't understand why that stock's where it is. Let's go to Steve in North Dakota. Steve! Hey, hey what's up, Jim? Love the show. Thank uh, you. 
got a great tight end from South Dakota, by the way. All right. Uh, so, anyways, uh, I had a question regarding 3M. It's, it's my second biggest holding right behind Stanley Black and Decker. Um, so, with 3M, uh, it's quite a ways off from its 52-week high. It was right it's around down 59 bucks from its 52-week high. Now, I have to tell you, in pure candor, I discussed with uh, Zeb Fema and with Jeff Marks today whether we shouldn't trim the position ahead of the quarter for our charitable trust and tell the, the club members that we're less certain. It's already a small position. I am very concerned about the October 23rd report if they do not do a restructuring. I think it'll be disappointing. I'm putting it out there. Okay, let's go to George in California. George! Jim, how are you? I am good, George. How about you? I am fine. Uh, Jim, this is a company that in my portfolio okay. has, has the honor of being the worst one and it's plummeted literally plummeted for months and months however Jeffrey's just upgraded it and upgraded it to hold it's in the oil business it's marketing and refining of oil and it's, of course it's Holly Frontier oh HFT. man George stop sweating the program Holly Frontier ah, is a great now it's like I like I do like Marathon Pete more and we know I like Valero more because we did our power rankings the other day but that's a good company. I am not going to fret that. As a matter of fact, I'd love to have them back on the air because they are so good at telling their story. We need to go to John in New York. John. Hi there, Jim. How are you? I am good. How about you, John? Love your show. I'm a long-time listener. Um, I just wanted to get your opinion on a, a company called Ameren. I, um, I've been lucky with it so far. I picked it up at about $2.70. Oh, my. Come on. We're going to take out a cost base tomorrow, even though that heart drug is pretty good. Tomorrow, you take out the cost basis, then you can't lose. As a matter of fact, I would take out Dublin cost basis because that stock's in the 20s now. All right, you, all right 20 bucks. So that's how we're going to play it. We're going to be prudent. We're not going to be like the Fed. We're not going to be judgmental. We're going to be prudent. Let's go to David in Illinois. David! Oh, big booyah to you, my friend. Hey, what's up? I want to thank you so, so much for all you do. For all your callers and your charitable trust. Oh, well, oh, my charitable trust, Ben, we're going to give some nice money away this year. What's go- Because of a lot of, you know, some bank sales. What's going on? I wanted to get your opinion on Brinker International, ticker symbol EAT. You know, I'm so old that I remember the late, great Norm Brinker, who was just absolutely terrific. And uh, I've always been a fan, but I have to tell you, the stock that everybody likes right now is McDonald's. I'm not going to back away from that. I am also a fan of Wendy's. I have time for one more call, I believe, and I'm going to take it. I'm going to go to Canyon in Texas. Canyon! Boom shakalaka, Jim. Boom shakalaka. I haven't heard the boom shakalaka in a long time. We may have to ask the staff to do that while we're answering this. Go ahead. What's up? Lately, this market has my heart pumping almost as fast as Viper Energy stock has been soaring. What are your thoughts on this oil and natural gas player? Um, I think it's kind of, uh, I would say, don't buy, not don't up buy, here. Don't buy, Too don't dangerous. Buy, don't These don't have been read. It's a nice move that it's had up 60%. And that, ladies and gentlemen, of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. All right, so today was brutal. No doubt about it. Agonizing. But as I said at the top of the show, all the bad news is still not baked in yet. 
the only real way to stay defensive in the face of the Fed, trade, and every other threat that can take a hit against your portfolio, hey, okay, the Italian budget, is to make sure you're diversified. That is why it is especially important on a day like today to play a game that you may be sick of, but I do not care. Am I diversified? Because i got to teach here. This is where you call me, you tell me your top five holdings, I tell you if your portfolio is diversified enough, maybe you need to mix it up a little. First up, we have a tweet from at Rick Brazil 23, and he says, Apple, Amazon, Blackstone, JP Morgan, General Dynamics, and my diversified. You are the hashtag master of the markets. Thanks for all you do. And thank you. I'm the hashtag master. Yes, I am Zool, the hashtag master. Okay, uh, bank, which we love. It's an action alert's name. General Dynamics, the defense stocks are all just going to Hades in a handbasket, but it's a good company. Blackstone reported great numbers. Nobody seemed to care. Finance, military, I will call it defense, bank. And now here's a problem. Are we going to allow Amazon and Apple? Are we going to allow the ah, fang? I'm going to bless it. Why? Because this is retail, web services, advertising, and this is telecommunications and some, and some uh, computer hardware. That's a, that's like a Procter and Gamble, Gillette, razor, razor blade, and I'm saying controversial though, but I am saying it. All right, I need to go to Carl in Mississippi. Carl, big booyah, Jim, for the man. Know you speak. There I you go. Know, am I diversified? My stocks: B A B A, Alibaba, T Corp, K E Y, Dow, Dupont, Dazon, B Z U N. You beat us. Let me go to work here. All right. Now, there's going to be a problem here, because even though that there are two, they're in two different industries, I am not going to allow, given the current state of the discourse in the world, allow two of Chinese companies. So we're going to pull out Balzone, even though we like it. We're going to stick with Alibaba, which is having a great quarter, but nobody seems to care. Okay, so let's go over this. Dow DuPont is a chemical company. Key Corp is a bank. Look, again, see, remember I told you the regional banks were under pressure because of the Fed? Nobody liked that quarter. It's a mistake. Look at this. UBS and Key Corp. We can't have that. That is finance, finance. We're going to sell UBS. And we're going to sell Balzone. And what we're going to do is we're going to introduce a healthcare company. I'm just going to pick Merck because it's nice and politically neutral. And we're also going to pick a leading industrial. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, do, no, no, because indus- people might think Dow DuPont is a leading industrial. Let's do a retailer. I want to use Costco. That way I feel better. I need that done, though. Two Chinese stocks and two banks not working in this market. Don't buy. Don't buy. Ron in my home state of New Jersey. Ron. Hello, Booyah. Booyah, Ron. I enjoyed your book, Get Rich Carefully, and it was very informative. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, Do you want my uh, five stocks? Yeah, why don't you give the five to me? You want the uh, symbol or the name? Uh, Whatever you want to give me is fine. AAPL. Apple. CHGG. Chegg, okay. KTOS. Kratos, okay. PYPL. Yep, just reported. MPC. And Marathon Pete. Okay. Uh, you know, this is a controversial one because I've not been, candidly, I've not been on the PayPal call, but we're just doing this for diversification only purposes. All right, so PayPal is in the payments business. Oh, there. <laughs> you know, like in Thanksgiving. You do. Okay, uh, a- Apple's a device, peanut gallery. 
Apple's a device. Chegg is, uh, you know, look, you know what? We haven't looked at Chegg in a long time. And I, I have to, I, I, I come to praise Dan Rosenzweig because the stock's only 25. It was, I remember when it was at three. And that's a book, a homework helper, we'll call it. Uh, my favorite refiner and a defense. We got a defense refiner. We got educational help. We got a, a dev, tech device company and we've got fintech. That is what I'm looking for in this environment. Boom, boom. Ha, <laughs> It's like that, you know, thing for like that guy you go in, it's like, and they remove the stuff in the room and you go. Phew. Okay, let's go to Ed, Illinois. Ed. Yes, how you doing, Mr. Jim Kramer? I am doing well. How are you? All right. Okay. Am I supposed to give you my top five? That would be so appropriate at this particular moment that I can't stress it enough. Okay, I'm going to give you my top five, but I really have eight in my portfolio, but here we go. Uh, I got Abbott Labs. Amazon, Cypress Semiconductor, Southwest Airlines, Love, uh, Starbucks. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Starbucks keeps going up. That's Kevin Johnson doing a more reorganization, making streamlined. He's doing such a good job. I really like that. So Starbucks, we've got a restaurant chain. Southwest, we got the best airline. Abbott reported an amazing quarter. And I've got to tell you, I am sick and tired of hearing it wasn't a great quarter because the stock went down. That's nonsense. We have to hurry. Amazon's a retail advertising, web services, and Cypress Decent Technology Company. I'm going to bless that. And I want to thank all our participants. And I wish I couldn't take all. I wish I could take all stocks, but you know what? You're just going to have to stick with Kramer. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Man Monday. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow!